Reignite on RTE Radio 1 with AIB. It takes a certain kind of brave to run a business. We see it, we back it. Right, let's get stuck into it and start by taking stock of where we are as a country, socially and economically, after those 18 extraordinary months. Joining me on Reignite this morning are three founders. Marion O'Gorman, founder of Champion Green and former boss of Kilkenny Design. Momobo Ogoro, founder of Gorm Media. And Professor Pete Lunn, founder and head of the Behavioural Research Unit at the ESRI. Morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today, as we said, is our first day back on Reignite and we're trying to really just get a sense of the public mood, where we're all really at. So I wanted to start with a very simple question of how are you, Marion? After the very, very tough 15 months that we've had in the lockdown, um, I'm really doing well and and the business is, you know, planning and, and the business is planning for the future so that that's really positive it keeps me going but you know in the last 15 months when the shops were closed and the restaurants were closed and our people were not in work that was really tough for us and we really had to stay positive because we had to go through this um so during the pandemic i worked a lot because worked on on what we're going to do when we reopened yeah so So, it's been tough do you feel a wee bit more hopeful oh i do on yeah um i do because um you know, after, we, like, we lost 46 of our, 50, 46% of our business in a year. Wow. Like, that's massive. And that we're in the retail, hospitality and the tourism businesses. So they were closed for, for our seven months. I mean, there wasn't a sign of a tourist until this morning. I saw some in Dublin. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, but, you know, we knew we had to stay positive. So we went into planning mode. Um, and we did a load of planning and I can give you a list of some of the ideas. We'll definitely come uh, back to some of those I, in a bit. I, and then for myself, and because I was kept yeah. busy and also because I moved roles as well from CEO to chairman, mm-hmm. there was a lot of planning around that and communication. So, um, it's been a year no, and, and I'm really hopeful because we have loads of plans that I'd like to share with people. Great. And how are you, Pete? <laughs> Running, running, running is the answer to that. I'm, I'm in one of those unusual lines of business, I think, that accelerated the stuff we did the minute the pandemic hit, accelerated, and it's never slowed back down again. Um, so the pace of work went up. And, you know, for the solid period of time since March 2020, me and my unit have been going much, much faster than we'd previously gone. So um, I feel exhausted by the pandemic and more than frustrated by it, as many other people feel, I think. OK, we will definitely come back to that theme of exhaustion and frustration shortly. And Momobo, for, for you, how are you feeling this morning? So this morning I'm feeling very excited, so glad to be here. But as for um, the pandemic in the last 18 months, as you spoke, it was a very rough year and it was a, it was a time where we had to really, really reflect on a lot of the things that were going on in life. I, I imagine a lot of people had a time of, of a halt, a huge halt in their lives. And for me, myself, it really it, w- it was a time for me to think and really start my entrepreneurial journey as I'm very new to this sort of space. So um, for the past 18 months, it was really great time for me to think and really um, apply some of the things I work in the, in, the, in the area of entrepreneurship that I am in now. Very good. And we'll come back to learn more about starting a startup in a pandemic, Momobo. Maureen, you talked there about turnover. You know, you've been part of the Kilkenny Group for decades and you saw it drop by 50% over the last year. Did everything change in terms of moving online, starting to think about the new behaviours of your customers? Do you think we'll see a return of 
of the physical stores and the high streets? Is that all over now? <laughs> no, no, no. Anya, it isn't. Them um, physical stores are really still going to be a very important part of the Omni Channel. Um, and what we did then during the lockdown, we got our teams together and we did a bit of innovation think tank. You know, when, when we saw that we were going to get through this, and with the help from the government, we decided, OK, let's plan for the future, let's be positive. And then we looked at um, our online, as you said, that grew by 300% during the pandemic. Um, it, was, it went from 5% of our business to 28% of our business. So mm-hmm. everyone was buying online because the stores were closed. And people now have the habit of buying online, so they're going to stay with that. Yeah. But they're going to come back to bricks and mortar as well. A lot of people want to feel um, and touch the, the products and see the products. They want to engage with team members. They want to try on clothing. They, so it's all the Omni channels, both retail and um, and online working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so to you think the physical experience. stores are going to be critical to this? It'll be different consumers, different needs. There's different consumers, different needs. The younger customers are looking for different products. That are, it's, it's more leisure wear now and, and, and it's not, you know, it's not um, evening wear, but it's changed. And um, as well as that, then the what we did is we have a virtual reality. We just... Um, launched it two weeks ago. It's very innovative. We worked with Trilly College and with Minute College and we got a grant from the government for that. So that's really worth seeing. And we have augmented reality coming up. Very so, good. you know, we have to do these different things because fun is not in the yeah. stores and we have these all these things happening. And Pete, what Marion is ex- explaining there is just experimentation. It's constant change, constant iterating. Where do you think, though, people are at after 18 months of having to embrace that level of change? And is it different between the age groups? Uh, yes, very much so. So I get asked this question almost every time I do anything like this. Where's the public at? And there isn't really an answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I can tell you where the public are at on average. But in many ways, what is most interesting is how much people differ. Um, there is huge differences between age groups. You're right, particularly in mental health. And one of the things that really bothers me moving forward is how poor the mental health of our young adults are following this pandemic. They've suffered far more than older Mm -hmm. people and all of the data shows this and they are now a priority for us, I think. Um, But there is also individual differences within all these groups, whether you're young, old, whatever. There's a larger proportion of the population who is much, much more cautious than the public debate would make you realise. And this is something I've been saying throughout the pandemic because we can measure them, but you don't see them. They're the people who are staying at home more. They're the people who are being much more cautious. Then nobody's lobbying for them. Nobody's out there saying, please open up for us. And there's a lot of them. And how they come back out and how slowly and where they go and what they do is going to be a really interesting question. And I think that's a question not just for government, but for businesses as well, as to what is it they're going to want to really re-engage with and do. I think a lot of them are going to be much more comfortable away from crowded indoor spaces for a long time to come. And I think that means business opportunities and things that we can give consumers that expand their horizons domestically, outdoors, doing new things and ideas that they perceive to be safe and okay. I think all of that's going to be a really important market, actually. Um, But I'm guessing, we really don't know, because one of the great problems of COVID is dealing with the uncertainty, which we still have. We don't know. People talk about an endgame. I think of it more as a kind of equilibrium. Where are we going to settle? with COVID in the medium term. And I think that's really hard to judge. And I think the people who judge that right will will get it, will do better. And that sense of end line, which we don't know, use some new research that shows where our perception is at in terms of how long it's potentially going to take for us to get back to the so-called normal. 
Yeah, so this relates to what I just said to you about people being more cautious than often the public perception might be or the, the sort of perception from the media might be. So we ask people, how long do you think it's going to be to return to normal? Where What we mean by that is all the kind of restrictions lifted. And at the moment, the average answer to that question is at least nine months to a year. Most of the public think it'll still take that long for all the restrictions to be lifted. There's a substantial proportion that think even longer than that. And that's been lengthening all the time. It's been with getting people. steadily longer as the, the pennies dropping that this is an ongoing battle with this disease rather than a kind of one-off skirmish. Um, and I, I think the other thing that's very interesting about that is there's a huge spread which tells you about that uncertainty. So there's still some optimists, they're less than 20% who think we're looking at, you know, three more months of this, right out to some people that think we're living with this forever. And there's this huge spread with an average somewhere around kind of nine months to a year on that returning to normal response. Yeah. Um, Momobo, to bring you in, do you think after this period we're, we're emerging as a more divided or as a more united society? I think this period had a lot of people thinking about where we were going to go as a society. As the previous speaker said, that there's a lot of uncertainty going around in our community as well. And as we move into more of, like, let's say, this digital space, as people are, let's say, social distancing, I think that digital space can cause a lot of um divisiveness and a lot of polarizations between communities but again it can cause a lot of um, positive discourse and positive change for the future but the, the thing with online spaces is that we kind of retreat into let's say our own um, ideas our own thoughts and the, the conversations that can happen online cannot be fruitful and they can't really be um, in-depth. So what we're trying to do right now in the, in the digital um, media company that I'm trying to create is to create a space in which we can have in-depth, um, less polarizing, less um, divisive conversations. So we as a front in Ireland as well can move towards the sort of unified approach um, that we can see in the future. And th- and that's been the key driver for you starting a startup, Gorm Media, in the middle of a pandemic, is to try mm-hmm. and start that national conversation. Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. So for those who don't know, Gar Media is a developing social enterprise. It's a developing digital media company with a social impact. So our mission is to spark a movement of unity and shared understanding within, within our community. And we believe through digital media, we can curate common ground to conversations that matter. And the real, the real reason that I create as this sort of entity is because I saw in particularly last year with this whole rise of social consciousness in Ireland, that in online spaces we were having such divisive talk, divisive conversations, and people were effectively like cancelling each other, quote-unquote, because um, people didn't agree with what another person was saying. But it's not about agreeing with what other people are saying. It's about really listening, actively listening to what they're saying so we can truly understand where they're coming from and effectively empathise with them. And and from my background, I'm actually doing my PhD at the University of Limerick in social Yes, <laughs> very busy. A lot of a lot of the things that we do as social psychologists is, is try to aim to let's say reduce prejudice, build intergroup positive intergroup on contact, so we can have a united sort of shared understanding. And what I really want to do with Gar Media is actively put that in a digital space. So this digital world where we're all. Um, in our own bubbles, in our own echo chambers, we can effectively break those echo chambers and see each other for who we are, which are just human beings who are um, worthy and, and, and worthy of respect and dignity. Um, Marion, to come back to you, Momobo started a company. You decided to step down as CEO after, I think, nearly 50 years uh, across the Kilkenny group. What, what was the driver for you? Why now? Um, well, 50 years is a long time in retail. I was, uh, I was, um, I started when I was 16, 
And I really felt with the changing environment um, and the challenges ahead for businesses um, that I re- the skills that were now needed for technology and for online and omni-channel are different than what I had. Mine was more hard-nosed, you know, on the ground, selling, looking after customers. Now, all that is still important, but, like, I wouldn't have that technology experience um, and the future thinking about that. And, and, and I also wanted to spend a lot more time on Champion Green. I mean, people, business people call their businesses babies. Now, yeah. Champion Green is my new baby. Great. I really <laughs> want to spend and, and help local businesses um, to come through this pandemic now and to recover from it. Yeah. And get local people and consumers shopping local, spending local, keeping the jobs local. And, and that's really now for me an important part of my new life. And that really helped me to step back. And as well as that, then I have a very good CEO in place, Evelyn. And she is charged now with the Omni Channel, with the new moving the business forward, um, with building the business and, and going into the States and, and, and all that. Um, and it's great to have someone on the day to day that I'm not worrying about that anymore. I have the Champion Green now as one of my my, my your new baby. big my big projects, yeah. And for people listening who might be thinking about starting a business, particularly maybe with their family, and you know, you've had times, I'm sure it's been really hard and certainly you've had issues that have found their way into courts and media. Would you recommend starting a business with the family? <laughs> oh, I would, yeah, I would. Um, family businesses, um, there's a very strong work ethic when when initially when you get it right. Um and um, what really goes wrong in family business, I think, is the communication and people are just afraid to talk to each other and be straight talking. Um, for me, it would be um, bringing in more outside people, external. Um, it could From be, the get-go. It could be a consultant, it could be an NED that takes that family dynamics out and thinks about the business. Because look, Anya, if a business doesn't survive, if the family goes in, go into the wrong position in a family business, What happens? The business is not there for the family in the future. So it's so important to rethink about the business and try and keep the family dynamics out of it. Not easy. <laughs> not easy at all. And that's yeah, honest, it is. honest communications and keeping emotions out of it is a tricky it's one with the family. It's very tricky, but if you can bring in an external person, now someone that fits with the culture, you can't bring in an external person if they're going to talk down to, the, the, uh, to some of the, the people there or even the management there or the owners, because sometimes you can get that. So if they find someone that can fit the culture and then when there's a family issue, that person could be that in between yeah. where that communication would be more less emotional. Yeah. It? So it sounds like you have to do a little bit of um, matchmaking with all of these things. You do. Yeah. Very important. Donna. Very, very important in family <laughs> business. Pete, can I ask you, we, we've talked about unknowns and ambiguity, the frustrations, the exhaustion, but do you think we're at a turning point when you listen to headlines yesterday about potentially 40,000 people returning to Crow Park, when we listen to walk-in vaccination centres opening up around the country? <laughs> um, it's always really tempting to answer that question with a yes and then when yeah. you look back in a few months yeah. time you realise that yet again it wasn't so much a turning point mm. as a kink in a long road yeah. and I suspect that's the case I, I'm fascinated by the conversation we're having here though um, I want to pick you up on something that also relates to the name of my own institute uh, you started off this programme by saying oh we want to look at the social and economic impacts and, and use the expression social and economic and my institute is the Economic and Social Research Institute. But we're not talking about 
economics, we're not talking about sociology, we're not talking about economic and social mm-hmm. for the, to a large extent. What we're actually talking about psychology. What we're mm-hmm. actually talking about is people's well-being and their mental yes. health. And I think one of the things that has really, really changed and is spurring the conversation we're having now and listening to Mamobo talking down on the line there, I mean, you know, we are becoming much more aware of the importance of well-being and mental health in our lives. And this pandemic has made us realise that and we're having much more open and honest conversations about that. And I think that is a change that could be very, very important. Now, of course, it's also quite dangerous because, you know, the well-being industry is a place that has an awful lot of quackery and exploitation in it as well as an awful lot of good advice to help you improve your life and to help you improve others' lives. Um, But I think this is a space we need a more open and honest conversation with. And I think that's going to become more true as we see where the equilibrium of this disease settles. And I think we need to take well-being data more seriously. I think we need to be taking it as seriously as we take economic data, which, you know, for someone from the SRI is not an easy thing to say, but I think it's absolutely true. And I think increasingly researchers around the world and policymakers around the world are starting to take well-being much more seriously. I think that's a good thing. I mean, in our household, we call certain things corona bounces. And what we mean are good things that have come out of this awful period. And I think our greater respect for mental health and well-being may be one of them. Okay. Yeah, and the, we'll be following up on a lot of those themes over the next five weeks on Reignite, really trying to kind of get to grips with resilience, our mental health, and just checking in on ourselves, what it means to be leaders, um, family members, uh, colleagues at work. Momobo, just to come to you finally and briefly, are you hopeful after the last 18 months as someone leading a startup? I'm extremely hopeful. I'm extremely hopeful to, I think it's over-optimism at this point because I don't really have any other choice. But um, I think the the world is coming to, I don't want to say back to normal, but a new normal where we can incorporate both the digital and the real life in world spaces together. People are starting to see each other for what we are. I think last year, a lot of people were kind of in their heads, really overthinking and really um, reflecting on the the global pandemic that had been coming out that had been coming out at that time. But right now, we are just really working toward together towards the sort of new normal that and a new world that we're going to see in the future. So I'm extremely hopeful for where we're going to be going in the future. And like the previous speaker said, taking care of our mental health, yeah. taking care of our well-being, and taking care of the people around us as well is going to help us propel that um, hopefulness forward. Great. And Marion, just before we go, where can people find information supports about Champion Green? They, we can, you can find it on championgreen.ie and there's loads of free marketing tools on it. There's, um, we are having a big week of focus on small businesses from the 6th to 12th of September and we're going to be promoting good deeds for, for local businesses um, and that's going to be our next um, big event and also that there's that we've had loads of webinars um, looking at the trends and looking at marketing tips and, t- and, and that so there's loads of, so go on championgreen.ie Marion's, <laughs> Marion's new baby great well Marion O'Gorman thank you so much Momobo O'Goro thank you and Pete Lunn